You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. And thank you for making this show your first listen every day. Today we have our weekly mailbag. Each Wednesday we do a mailbag show with listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. We begin. I find myself drawing comparisons to the Jets youth movement and that of the New York Rangers, who struggled up until management brought in experienced and gritty veterans. Is there something to sacrificing the youth and upside at the expense of players who are in their prime, who may not be all-stars, but are capable players who hold the locker room to higher standards. That's a very interesting question, and this is a topic I've been thinking about quite a bit as the Jets' season ended. The Jets really went in the direction of youth this year, and that's to some extent to be expected because this is a rebuilding team, and you rebuild around youth. But the Jets really took it to an extreme this year, and as I've mentioned many times, they were the youngest team in the NFL. And they really did not have a lot of veteran leadership in the locker room. And there's a theory behind this that you go as young as possible, you give everybody a chance, you see which young players are keepers, you open up every position possible, or at least most positions, to competition. You see you know, who, who's going to be part of the solution long term, which young players may be role players, and which young players really aren't going to be around. Like, take the corner position. You saw that, you know, it looks like Bryce Hall's probably a keeper. Michael Carter II's probably a keeper in the slot. Brandon Eccles, maybe not. The Jets could have gotten veteran experience there, and maybe they would have been a little bit better, but they decided to go young. And then there are other positions where maybe this did not work so well. And I do wonder a little bit whether the Jets maybe took things a little bit too far. Would they have been better off at at least a few positions bringing in veterans who can help show the young players, as you mentioned, this is how you prepare in the NFL. This is these are the practice habits you need to have. This is what you need to do off the field. As you mentioned, this does not necessarily need to be big money players, big name players. You know, a perfect example of this, a guy who's no longer on the team. Steve McClendon, the Jets brought him out, brought him in on a very modest free agent contract back in 2016, and by all accounts, he was a great leader. And I wonder if Steve McClendon was around this year, guy who was a pretty good player on the field, but renowned for his locker room leadership, would the team have been better off with him? Now, they traded him a year ago and really did not get much in return. Now, part of this it may have been that they were just trying to do right by Steve McClendon, who had been a great teammate for years. And they gave him a chance to win a ring, which he got with Tampa Bay last year. But let's forget about whether they should have kept Steve McClendon. Would they have been better off maybe bringing in a few more veterans and showing these young guys how to play? I think the the answer is perhaps. You know, maybe they would have won instead of four games. Maybe they would have gotten to six or seven wins because veterans typically are going to play better than young players, players in their first and second seasons. Players typically don't hit their prime in year one year two, so maybe if you brought in a more stabilizing player to play that second corner slot across from Bryce Hall, that could have helped the pass defense. It's an interesting question, and I do feel like maybe they went a little bit too far 
in the youth direction this year. You can be a young team, but you can still have veteran experience. And that was also true on the coaching staff. The Jets went very young on the coaching staff, very inexperienced. And, you know, I wonder whether maybe a few more veteran voices would have helped the team. There's an argument each way. And I'm not saying the Jets were necessarily wrong. I'm not sure there's a right way or a wrong way. You can do things right by going very young. You can do things right by bringing in a few more veterans. You can also do things wrong both ways. Time will tell whether the the decisions that the Jets have made were the correct ones. But yeah, I, I've been thinking about this, and I do wonder whether the Jets may have been better served, maybe going not maybe not going with an old team, but maybe going with a little bit more experience, a few more veteran leaders to help guide these young players. Maybe they would have helped them weather some of the storms the team faced this year. I mean, how many times did the Jets get off to a terrible start in the first quarter? And maybe with a few more veterans there, they could have figured things out during the week. Maybe they could have helped the players stay calm if things went wrong immediately. I feel like, you know, there's an argument to be made that maybe there was a little bit of a mistake there. Maybe they went a little bit too far in the direction of youth. Our next question's from Jason. Recently, the Texans declared that they were open to trading the number three pick. If the Jets move up one spot for the pick, what will it cost them? So that's an inter- interesting question, and I went to the Jimmy Johnson trade chart because that tends to be the way the league values draft picks. I'm not saying they should value draft picks that way, but it's the way they tend to value draft picks. And the best I could figure out is... To move up from four to three, the Jets would probably have to give up one of the second round picks and a pick in round four. And in exchange, the Texans would probably send the Jets one of their third round picks back. So for the Jets, you're probably giving up a second round pick and a fourth round pick, and you're getting back a third round pick. And to me, looking at the situation, doesn't that seem like an awful lot to give up just to move up one pick? Especially when there's a pretty good chance the guy that you want is going to be available. I mean, listen, there's always the chance that, you know, the guy you want is going to go pick three instead of pick four, or maybe some other team trades up. But the worst case scenario here is that you're sitting there and you're going to have an opportunity to get one of the top four players on your draft board, and you're not going to have to give up all any of those picks to do that if you just st- stay where you are seems like an awful lot to give up just to move up one slot. I mean, I think to the extent the Houston putting the pick on the market has an impact is that it maybe makes the Jets a little bit, it maybe gives them a little bit more of a challenge if they want to move down from pick number four. But, I mean, I think it's a tough sell. I really don't like it when you move up one slot because there's a pretty good chance you're going to get the player you want anyway just by staying where you are. And that's just true in general. I I really dislike it whenever I see the Jets move up one slot, not only in the first round, but pretty much wherever they are, because what are the chances the guy you really want is going to go right before you? It seems like kind of a panic move more often than not. Now, listen, there's always a scenario where it does make sense. Now, let's say for some reason one of the big two pass rushers, Thibodeau or Hutchison, is available at three. For whatever reason, they don't go one-two, which... I would be surprised by, but I've been surprised by plenty of things in the draft in the past. And then one of them is available with the third pick. Then maybe you could justify it. But even then, I mean, you're looking at a situation where you got a chance to get a really great player. I mean, it doesn't matter where you pick in the first round, especially when you're picking in the top five. You're always going to have a chance to get a great player. And the other thing I think teams miss out on 
is the reality that you could be wrong in your evaluation. As much as you may love a player, there's always the chance that your evaluation's wrong. Teams miss in the first round all the time. Teams are sure about players and are wrong all the time. And that's one of the things that leads them to make mistakes like trading up one slot. I think if you look through the history, and I've done this recently, and we'll probably talk about this more in detail as we get deeper into the offseason, but you're looking through history, it's amazing, especially looking at trades when teams move up in the top five. It, like, never works out. I mean, if you look at all of the times in the last 20, 25 years where teams have moved up in the top five, they traded up to get a top five pick, it's like almost every single case they would have been better off just keeping the picks that they had. Almost every single case the picks that they had were more valuable than the pick they acquired by trading up. And that goes back to just sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes your evaluations are wrong. And in the draft, you're usually better off with as many swings of the bat as possible. You're usually better off with more picks, not, give, not packaging all your picks just to move up for one player. It usually does not work out. So... I would have a tough time with it, probably. Maybe you could talk me into it in a world where one of the top two edge rushers is still there at three. But I think for the Jets, it just seems like an awfully big price to pay for a situation that's not going to benefit you all that much. Trading up from four to three may not be such a great idea, but having a built bar always is. And it's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plans, because Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you want to eat healthy, sometimes it just gets boring. And by week three of your New Year's resolution, you may be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Just compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And not only is Built Bar healthy, it's delicious, and there are so many great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. And Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so be sure to check Built.com often to see what's new. In fact, go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15, one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built, B-U-I-L-T dot com. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. We continue with our weekly mailbag. Do you think it would be better for the Jets to add a veteran receiver compared with a rookie? Well, this goes back to a question that I answered in the first segment about whether it might be better for the Jets to add some veteran experience, some guys who can maybe can provide some leadership to the young players. And I think back to something Boomer Esiason said on his morning show during the season. And this happened after a game where Denzel Mims took a penalty because he lined up in the wrong position and the Jets essentially were in, illegal, in an illegal formation. And Boomer talked about how it was tough to have both a rookie quarterback paired with young receivers and he related it to an experience he had when he was a veteran quarterback with the Jets. And he told Wayne Krebet, who was a rookie at the time, that, and Krebet, of course, you know, he was kind of just trying to figure out how to play in the NFL. He told Krebet in the game against New England, they said that if the Patriots run this kind of blitz, go to this spot and I'll hit you for a touchdown. And that's exactly what happened. 
And if you have both a rookie quarterback and a rookie and a young receiver, it's tough to do because you don't have anybody with experience who knows the game inside and out. I mean, when you're a young player in this league, you're just kind of trying to make it from play to play. You don't really have the savvy of a veteran player. And I look across this Jets team right now, and you have a very talented young receiver in Elijah Moore. And maybe you need to pair that if you're going to go with Zach Wilson with a receiver with a little bit more savvy, more experience, somebody who doesn't need to be told, all right, if the opponent blitzes, this is where I'm going to go. Maybe a receiver who has enough experience that they can go to Zach in the huddle and say, all right, watch out for this blitz. If that's hap- if that happens, this is where I'm going to go and hit me. So again, it's all about finding the right balance, right, the right mix. And there's something to be said for getting a bunch of young receivers along with Zach Wilson, because then you develop chemistry. Maybe you have a group where Zach's throwing to these guys for 10 years. And hopefully that's what you have with Elijah Moore. But I think as you're building this group of receivers, maybe it would be good to have a veteran voice in there. Somebody who's not going to make the mistake Denzel Mims made. Because again, you don't have an experienced quarterback. You don't have a quarterback in there who can spot that and say, hey, Denzel, Make sure you're not lined up on the line. Make sure you're, you're back from the line. Maybe you need a receiver who knows where he's going to be, a, a professional. And that maybe that's what the Jets can use. Maybe that's the right balance. The young guy with tremendous upside in Elijah Moore paired with a receiver with more experience who can kind of help Zach Wilson out. And again, show in the locker room, maybe take Elijah Moore under his wing and show him this is how you're going to be a good pro. I think there's something to that idea. Now, listen, I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of adding another rookie receiver. Again, there's something to the idea of Zach Wilson and two two young receivers growing up together. But I think theoretically, depending on who's available, and we don't know who's available at this point in time. There are plenty of rumors out there, and we'll talk more specifics later on as we get closer to the official beginning of the offseason. I think there could be something to the idea of the Jets maybe adding a veteran or two. Our next question, John, how intrigued are you by Kyle Hamilton? Some feel he might be the next great safety. With how devalued the position has become, does it make sense to take him fourth overall? Or has the value of safety hit the level of running back? I'm very interested in Hamilton. Now, I'm not necessarily saying he has to be the pick at four, and my mind could change between now and the draft, but I'm very interested in him. You know, we talk about positional value, and yes, a great like edge rusher has more impact on the game probably than a great safety. But I think when we talk about positional value, it's more about the middle of the pack guys. Like if you draft an edge rusher at four and he's just okay, maybe he's an eight sack guy, that still has a lot of value. That's still not easy to find. Even if he doesn't hit the ceiling, even if he's not everything you dream him to be, if he's just an okay edge rusher, that's still pretty valuable. Whereas Like, say you draft Hamilton and he's just an okay safety. That's not that valuable because adequate safety play is pretty easy to find on the open market. In fact, every single season, there are a couple of guys who are available as the training camp approaches who are solid safeties who can be signed for cheap. But if Hamilton's as good as advertised, I think there's a lot of value. I mean, you think about this league, the way... Running backs are used in the passing game. You think about some of the guys who are mismatches at the tight end position. I think a guy like Hamilton, a guy who can match up with those guys, has a lot of value. And I think, you know, based on what I've seen so far, and, you know, we're still very early in the process, but he looks like he has the chance to be a really special player. 
I mean, I, I would not dismiss somebody like a Kyle Hamilton. I still think a high-end safety, a guy who's at the top of the position, has a tremendous amount of value in this league, and that's not somebody I would rule out personally. Our next question. Over the last decade plus, the Jets have signed very few picks from rounds one to three to second contracts. Many of these players leave and have unremarkable careers, Leonard Williams being one exception. Is this a failure of scouting or of coaching and player development or both? Well, it's probably a little bit of both, but it's more scouting than anything else because, as you mentioned, it's not like these guys are going elsewhere and having success. So if it was coaching, wouldn't they have more success in a different organization with better coaching? I'm not saying the coaching's been great. And yes, I think there's an argument to be made that early in their careers, they're at a critical point of their development. So maybe if you don't develop the right way early on, it's difficult to catch up later on. I understand that argument, but I mean, how many guys that have the Jets drafted who have been bad here, who went on to have success elsewhere? The number is very small. And I'm not saying that every single guy should have success, but you would think if it was purely a coaching issue that the number would be higher. There would be at least an appreciable number of players who've gone elsewhere and had success. In fact, most of the time when the Jets cut a player, it feels like nobody else wants that player in the NFL, which tells me the main issue has probably been scouting and choosing the wrong players more so than coaching and player development. You can blame coaching and player development to an extent, but the bigger issue is, I think, clearly that the Jets are just picking the wrong players. Now, hopefully you have the ability to pick games better than the Jets have picked players over the last decade plus. And if you put money down on games that you pick, BetOnline would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue the march through the playoffs. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. With a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website, sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to get underway. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Again, it's promo code locked on. it's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline. Because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday, our weekly mailbag show. Our next question, when Lamar Jackson got hurt, Hundley took over and ran the same offense for a mobile quarterback, and the Ravens signed Josh Johnson from the Jets to play for them when both of their quarterbacks were sidelined. Do you think that the Jets will follow a plan like that and sign somebody like Marcus Mariota as their backup if Zach cannot play instead of going with a pure pocket quarterback like Flacco or White? You know, that's an interesting question, and I hear frequently that it's a good idea to have a backup quarterback with a similar playing style to your starter. I just think it's really difficult to find quality quarterback play in this league. A lot of teams don't even have one quality quarterback, much less two, and I just don't think you can be so choosy. I think you just have to find, try and find two guys who can play. If their playing styles happen to be the same, then all the better. I mean, I don't know that Zach Wilson's really that mobile that Marcus Mariota is a great match for him anyway. But, you know, from week to week, your game plan can change radically. So I don't think it's that big of a deal if you have a quarterback who runs a different type of offense. I mean, look at the Jets this year. It certainly seems like Mike White 
had an easier time running the Jets offense, or at least the Jets coaching staff had an easier time game planning for Mike White than they did any of the prior games with Zach Wilson when White played that great game against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it didn't seem like the Jets had any issues adjusting. And it's interesting you mentioned Baltimore, because going back a few years, I remember reading back in 2018 when Lamar Jackson as a rookie took over as the starting quarterback from Joe Flacco. And you could not have two quarterbacks more different stylistically than Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Flacco is totally immobile, a pure pocket passer, and of course Lamar Jackson's a great runner, and also a pretty good thrower. But Baltimore changed their offense on the fly, and I remember reading this story that John Harbaugh told them we're changing the offense, and the response in the locker room was just kind of, okay, we'll do it, we'll figure it out. So I think teams are a little bit more flexible. I I think that you can change your offense on the fly. And I don't think any of these other guys, I don't think like Mike White and Zach Wilson is that dramatic of a change. Ultimately, I think you just have to find two guys who can play. If their skill sets happen to mesh, then yeah, that's probably better. But more than anything, it's just really hard to find good quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think you're at a point when you're talking about backups, you can find a backup who can play. You just live with it. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, give it a five-star review and subscribe where podcasts are found. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.